right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we're talking about American Fiction, a hilarious new movie starring Jeffrey Wright that is out right now, and definitely go seek this one out. It is so funny. Uh, we get into a lot of great stuff in this conversation. Joining me is Derek Murray, returning to the podcast. we got a lot of great puzzle pieces to get into. And that's coming up here in a second. Before we get to the conversation, though, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you're subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. I also want to tell you, you might be hearing this in advance over on our Produced by David Rosen Patreon. If you're not, if it's already January and this episode is out, first of all, Happy New Year. Uh, but second of all, uh, you could have heard this one like a month ago over on the Patreon. It's the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content from Piecing It Together, Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there. I appreciate you being out there listening, but if you want to support the show in that way, check it out, patreon.com slash Rosen. And with that said, let's look at American fiction. All right, Derek Murray's with us to talk about American fiction. How's it going, Derek? It's going really well, man. I'm super excited about this one. I uh, I caught this one at TIFF, um, mm -hmm. and I, I remembered when I saw it, I was kind of in a place where I was already, I'd already seen like three films, and I was just like, I was crumbling under the weight of of the festival, yeah. uh, so and I didn't know really anything about it, and then uh, it it just absolutely wowed me. I it like woke me up. I didn't need any coffee. I was just totally into it. So really excited to talk about this one. Right on, right on. Yeah, no, I also went into it pretty blind myself. Like I watched it on a screener, and uh, I I had heard so many raves about it, but all I really knew Jeffrey Wright and hilarious. Like that's yeah. like. The, the bulk of what I knew going into this. I didn't know anything about what it was going to be. Uh, so it, it was really interesting. I know also uh, Cord Jefferson, it's his directorial debut, at least uh, as a feature filmmaker. And um, yeah, th this is a really, really funny movie. I, I think like just to kind of throw this out there in my letterbox review, I said that um, it's almost too funny. Like it's just, yeah. it's nonstop. I was like missing bits because I was laughing so hard during this movie. And I, yeah, I think no, that's the main thing here. Yeah, no, definitely the same. It, it is, uh, it is packed with just biting satirical wit. Um, it's probably the funniest I've ever seen Jeffrey Wright, uh, mm -hmm. who just absolutely nails that wonderful balance of drama and comedy. Um, but he is just so good here. And, and you're absolutely right. I, I've been wanting to check it out again um, just because I do feel like, I missed a ton of great jokes and especially cause I saw it with the festival crowd. So I saw it kind of at its, you know, it's world premiere and you know, those crowds were packed and like, not only was I missing the laughter, but the whole crowd is missing the laughter cause they're yeah. just <laughs> erupting with this, you know, joyous, but it is so funny. I, I really, really loved the comedy in this one. Absolutely. Well, let's get into puzzle pieces. What do you have for your first one here for American fiction? Yeah, so the first I'm gonna save I'm gonna save the one that I think most people will probably pick for last because um, mm -hmm. I do think there's one that's pretty pretty direct. Some of these are a little uh, around the corners, but I think American fiction has so many different types of puzzle pieces that you can pick different pieces from these movies that I, I I've looked at um, that don't necessarily encapsulate the whole movie. Um, but do kind of, you know, add those little bits and pieces and, and create it. So um, the first one I actually picked was The Menu, 
because both are satirizing a specific industry and kind of a specific perception of how we view things in our culture. Um, the menu is very much like that for the food industry, um, where, you know, it does take kind of some of these over the top characters, some of these, uh, you know, cultural ways that we view just food and food critics and cooking and, and all of those things that are very prevalent here. And that movie is just a very darkly funny version of that. Um, whereas American fiction kind of takes that in a little bit more of a lighter tone, but it is still very much doing that. It's very critical of the, uh, you know, the literary industry, uh, very critical of Hollywood and just what it means to be a black artist. Um, so it kind of takes a lot of those things and, and puts them in there. Um, so I, I really enjoyed that. I, I know I've heard some people say that American fiction feels a little regressive and that a lot of those like hood satirizing things that it's doing aren't really prevalent these days but i still mm -hmm. feel like it's super relevant i still feel like being able to turn the turn the table and turn that mirror back and say look we still have this issue and <laughs> right. you can't say that we don't so yeah yeah that's an interesting comparison because you're you're absolutely right like that was one of my biggest criticisms of the movie is that it feels almost like 10 years late uh, sure. in making some of these points. But at the same time, it is still a thing that a lot of people are still, you know, talking about constantly these kinds of issues that the movie is bringing up in the menu as well. I mean, the menu being, you know, about, you know, the, the food industry and critical of like, you know, the celebrity chefs and all that stuff, which is a little out of date at the time the movie came right. out, but <laughs> there's still plenty to say about it. So I think that's a really good one to, uh, to kick it off with. I like that. I, I will go with Wag the Dog from Barry Levinson. Um, Ooh, good. That's a good one. It is a great movie. And, uh, you know, again, a different industry, although, you know, it is Hollywood adjacent in a way. Uh, but, yeah, this more political type movie uh, about a uh, like kind of a spin doctor who comes in to uh, hire a Hollywood producer to stage a fake war to kind of take attention away from a president's sex scandal. And uh, obviously a very different story, but uh, at the same time dealing with um, you know, public perception and kind of like uh, playing into what people expect out of uh, out of in that case politicians and what is happening in the world and uh, you know any any little uh, rung in the ladder of their whole plan their whole little scheme. If it gets found out, the whole thing's going to fall apart. And much like Jeffrey Wright's character Monk has written this fake book, well, this book that he's like kind of made up this whole thing for, uh, you know, if anybody finds out about it or if they find out about the book deal with the movie deal and all that, all these different like aspects, it's going to make the whole thing crumble. And of course, because uh, Jeffrey Wright is uh, brought in to be a book critic in this uh, this award, this prestigious award thing, um, <laughs> that really, you know, threatens to throw the whole thing into upheaval. So th there's a lot of... Uh, you know, layers and tears where everything could fall apart. And that that's something that was like really prevalent in Wag the Dog as well. Yeah. And I, I do love that, you know, especially in American fiction. And, and there's some other ones that I have on the list that do something very similar where, uh, you know, Monk is constantly trying to stop the snowball. Uh, yeah. and he's, all, he's constantly trying to make the situation so bad that there's no possible way anybody would say yes to this. 
And then instead, the film just plays into the naivety of, you know, the, the whole industry that they go from where they don't really care about the truth. If it's going to sell, it's going to sell. So they, yes. just, they just keep buying into every new thing that he creates. Um, and it's it's very, very funny. I, I, I absolutely love that part. But yeah, but yeah, you're right. It's one of those things where, you know, if, if any small thing goes wrong or any person stops to question what's happening, you know, the whole thing can fall apart and yeah. nobody is smart enough to do that. They just they just <laughs> run with it. And it's great. It's very, very funny. It's very sharp. Yeah, they, they either don't care or they don't want to know. They, they just want to reap the benefits and like screw it. So, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And uh, I also think it's interesting. The, the Issa Rae character, who's this other uh, black writer who is kind of you know, into the system of writing these kinds of, uh, you know, negative stereotype books, you know, just basically trash because she knows it sells. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so there, there's a lot between those two characters and that's where the movie, I think gets into some, you know, heavier subject matter. And it's not really interested in getting too deep into that. Cause it, I think it's first and foremost, a comedy. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I love their conversation um, that they have, you know, where they're kind of going back and forth about, you know, whether or not this is justified and what the machine actually does. And, you know, it, it does, I think you're right, it does start to kind of scratch the surface. And then it's undercut with this great joke of a white woman going, oh, I think it's so important to to, to push forward black voices, which is just, I, I, it just absolutely killed me. And this movie is very much a comedy first. Um, yeah. And and while it's playing with a lot of these ideas, you're absolutely right. It, it wants to be funny. It wants us to laugh at these things uh, yeah. as as its first goal. Absolutely. Well, let's go on to another piece. What do you got next? Yeah. So this one, I'm actually going to take a stab at the drama um, mm. here because it, as as funny as this film is, there is a whole kind of separate section of of this movie that uh, is very much a family drama. Um, mm. And so uh, the, it, there's probably better ones, but this is just the one that kind of conjured up recently in my mind, uh, mainly because this one's a bit more centered on the holidays. But uh, I went with Soul Food uh, okay. because I think that there is a there's not a lot of, um, it, you know, outside of kind of like the Tyler Perry creations. Um, mm -hmm. There's not a lot of, you know, kind of black family dramas in in that vein where, you know, it is people coming home, experiencing very difficult things in their family. This one has death. This one has, you know, unexpected death. This one has things that are kind of bringing people together, which is also highlighting the things that separated them in the first place. Um, you know, Monk is a very kind of standoffish person when it comes to being vulnerable and i think there's a lot sure. of that in in this movie as well um you know and, and the people that really grounded them are are unfortunately you know i don't want to spoil anything but you know the people that truly ground them and hold them together are no longer there and one of the reasons they're coming back is because of this um and soul food has a lot of that um like i said soul food is probably a bit of a stretch but uh it does kind of highlight some of the family drama that i think exists here that um again is is really taking a backseat to the comedy but it is all still yeah. there i mean that's where sterling k brown really shines um is in some of uh, more of those like tender family moments um so I, I i really enjoyed that aspect of it and i it doesn't get talked about enough um but i did think that something like soul food has a lot of those similar similar kind of veins in in that way in, in the drama yeah no you're absolutely right like that that is a kind of a difficult one to bridge a connection to because it is kind of a backseat here in the movie but absolutely that's where sterling k brown gets to shine and he's so funny in this movie every scene yeah. he's in you know, so uh, it's great that they they go there just so if nothing else, so we could get some of that. But um, yeah, great one there. Um, I'm I'm going to 
possibly steal what you were talking about as a later puzzle piece because I, I think we should just get it out there in the open. Uh, Spike Lee's Bamboozled. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that, so, was, that was number one on my list. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I I think we might as well just get it out there right now because like it, sure. it does kind of it, it's the obvious one. It is the clear inspiration. And by the way, this movie is uh, an adaptation of a book that only came out a year after Bamboozled. So I don't know if it was uh, inspired by that directly or, or not, or if it was just something in the air at the time. Yeah. I had read, I'd read a little bit. I, I didn't read erasure, which is the name of the book, but I, yeah. I, I got the sense that when I was kind of looking at it and just seeing what it was based on, I got the sense that erasure is not a comedy um, mm. that, that it, it, it tends to, at least in the synopsis that I was able to kind of uh, dig up, it seems like it does deal with all of those themes, but it's not a, it's not like a comedy novel. It, it's, it takes all of the maybe the more serious topics that are in there, and it, mm -hmm. it feels as if it, it kind of dives into those a little bit more. Um, so I think that comedy layer is what really relates it back to Bamboozled when you, when you think of just kind of how that whole scenario plays out. Yeah, absolutely. And I could see that, too, because, I mean, it, it must be, I mean, obviously, I'm just, you know, a white guy, but, like, you know, it must be, like, an incredibly frustrating thing, uh, you know, for, for any black artist to, you know, see what rises to the top kind of in pop culture sure. so yep. it's like it's definitely ripe for both sides whether it be a uh, you know a frustrated you know angry uh portrait of all that happening or something like american fiction where it's just more uh taking on the comedy aspect and bamboozled as well uh doing that too um but yeah i i think it's hard to have this conversation without getting that one out in the open so yeah no definitely and bamboozled is such a uh it's such a, a revolutionary piece of work i i feel like people just don't uh, people don't talk about bamboozled enough um, because it is such a uh, bold, <laughs> it's such a bold critique of the industry, and at a time where you didn't really do that that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I do get the sense that you know, bamboozled crawled so that American fiction could run. You know, that's sure, that's sure. really what happens for sure. They're very closely related. Absolutely. I was surprised when uh, I, when I brought it up to see when it came out. I wanted to get the date. I I saw the uh, you know the Rotten Tomatoes rating. It was like fifty percent or something. I I was surprised that generally speaking, the reviews weren't that great at the time. And I guess, you know, people maybe weren't ready for, you know, that kind of satire at that moment. But uh, I remember it being great. I haven't seen it, though, in like probably 20 years. Yeah, I think it really did come at a time in cinema where it was like right in the middle of that transition where we all kind of started to realize like, yeah, maybe there are other stories to tell that aren't black stories, uh, which is funny because that just relates directly to American fiction. Exactly. And what it's yeah. critiquing. Uh, yeah. But I, I do think there's some reclamation when it comes to bamboozled. I think if people revisited it, I think they would be able to to recognize how clever it is. And I, I do think it might have been ahead of its time yeah. uh, in, in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, like I said, I think American fiction is born out of bamboozled. Like you would not have American fiction if it was not for kind of the, some of that groundwork that bamboozled laid down for sure totally totally well, what do you got for your next one yeah so i i'll stick on the same train actually this this was one that i i really just found to be a, another similar puzzle piece um but that would be the producers yeah um the the, the producers <laughs> is is kind of the white version of bamboozled if we're yeah. being honest yep, yep. Um, uh, but the producers also has you know just that heightened comedy um you know and and you know it's it's got the fake it till you make it 
you know, vein in there and, and, you know, they stop this, you know, they start this unstoppable snowball uh, and, and this train that just can't be derailed no matter how much they try. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the producers in, in balancing out the comedy with with just the critiques of the industry, um, I do think that the producers lines up pretty well because the producers is absolutely hilarious. Um, so I, I think it nails that portion of it as well. I'm so glad you brought it in because uh, the whole reason I wanted to get bamboozled out there was just so we could get to the producers afterwards. I love I it. Yeah, I love so it. <laughs> you have to have it on there too. Yeah, it's it's such a funny movie. And uh, I think there's plenty of parallels between Springtime for Hitler and Fuck. Uh, yeah. The, <laughs> the book here. So uh, great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Since you got that one in there, I am going to go to uh, a movie I bring up way too much on this show, but I think I have a good reason to bring it up here, and that is Adaptation from Charlie Kaufman and Spike oh, Jones. Yeah. Um, you've got this character who, much like Charlie Kaufman's character in Adaptation, is so caught up in what people will think of his writing and is so stuck in his head that it's blocking him creatively and it leads to him throwing out there this thing that in, in, you know, all seriousness should not work whatsoever. And, uh, you know, that that's all of what adaptation is in a much more meta way. Uh, this isn't really so much meta as it is just like a setup for a joke and for a uh, very funny series of happenings from that point forward. But, um, but yeah, just the way that a, a creative person, in both cases a writer, is uh, so stuck in their own head that it really just throws them into a, a situation where they're going to write something that they otherwise never would have went down that path. And they're just like looking at it like, what the hell have I done every step of the way, you know? So. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great pick. Um, and, and that one also, too, it's got that that literary connection as well. Um, you know, where some of these are, where, you know, a lot of the, the ones that we picked have focused on kind of like the Hollywood aspect and just the, yeah. the overall industry aspect of things. And I think adaption ties in a little bit better to just the literary parts of that, um, which we don't see a lot. And I think that's one of the things that American fiction has going for it is that it does kind of like the menu where it focuses on something that we all kind of know, but we don't really engage with on an industry level, um, and I think you've even seen that a lot with kind of classical music. I think people have taken on the the classical music industry and and just, you know, with Tar and, and there's another film called Days of Happiness, um, mm. which also kind of go, you know, peels that curtain back of the world of, you know, conductors and, and classical music and that type of thing. So um, I, I think it's really interesting that they are are trying to tackle and satirize different industries that we don't talk about a lot. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. What do you got next? All right, so this this will this will I think this will be the last one that I have. I think that was five. Um, sure. But this one uh, again, just kind of blending that comedy and industry satirization. Uh, I went with Get Shorty. Um, nice. Which uh, I just I one I just love that movie. I I actually saw it really late in life, and then ever since I saw it, I was like, well, this is a masterpiece. <laughs> this is great. Um, but that one also, you know, it's got. The, the way that people and the way that Hollywood kind of glamorizes scripts and, and how to acquire them. And just, again, this, this faking it until you make it. And then, you know, people trying to recreate a world they don't really understand, um, you know, and so in Hollywood, just trying to take the worst parts of those types of things and putting it together in something successful definitely feels like parts of American fiction are taking stabs at that as well. Um, and, you know, again, with that comedy, it, it's all in there, too. So, um, yeah, I, I picked Get Shorty for, for that one. 
Right on. Yeah, that's a great one. And as far as, uh, you know, this particular industry is concerned, I mean, it's a great one to include on the list for <laughs> sure. So I like that a lot. Uh, I've got I've got one more full one and then one that's kind of like just like a little one. But um, I'm going to start off with Atlanta, the TV show. Uh, oh, which, yeah. Such a great show. And just the exasperation on Donald Glover's face as he's like caught in between these two worlds of art of like, you know, the, the, the much more, uh, you know, the, the grimy kind of, you know, underground stuff, uh, to the, the more mainstream kind of stuff. And where he just, you could tell that he is, he's so, uh, caught in between and just doesn't know where he fits in in any of that stuff. And I, I feel like that's kind of where we see Monk at this point, where he's like, you know, what I, I want a career, but I, I don't want to have to give in to what's popular necessarily. I want to do stuff right. that has more artistic merit. And uh, but he sees that that's that's where you know everything is going. And so just that feeling of being stuck in between two forms of the art world is something that I saw a, a lot of uh, comparison to Atlanta with. Yeah, that's a that's a great pick. I think one of the things that really makes Atlanta such a great show is it is so smart in balancing those worlds and and really just kind of demonstrating that like yeah, that the the there's no straight and narrow path and you're always going to be existing in kind of this yes, I want my art to mean something, but meaningful art doesn't make money. Like that's sure. that's just you know what I mean? Like that's just kind of the reality and I think both of them, you know, play with that and satirize that and really kind of dig into that a little bit. Um, so that, that's a great comparison. That's, that's really solid. That's a good puzzle piece. I like that a lot. Right on. The last one that I have here, you mentioned it earlier with that, that one, uh, white woman at the, uh, the awards, uh, you know, situation. <laughs> and, and then there's plenty of other Adam Brody's character, all, all these like <laughs> yeah. very like played for jokes, white people. Um, they all reminded me of Bradley Whitford and get out with the, I'd have voted for Obama <laughs> for a third term if I could. <laughs> It, it just seems like that that character is weighs heavy over this whole movie, really. That is, I I love that small puzzle piece because it's so good, and and that is that is truly one of my favorite performances in Get Out. Like Get Out yeah. is already one of like my favorite movies of the last like twenty years, uh, but he his. His that whole like I'm gonna absolve myself because yes. I love Obama. It's just it's just so great, and you do you see that permeated through almost every white character in American yeah. fiction uh, in in different ways, and it, it's it's done very very well. It's very funny. Um, yeah, that's a that's a great small one. I, I like that a lot. That's very good. Awesome. Well, uh, I'll read down our list of puzzle pieces here and we'll get into some closing thoughts, but we talked about The Menu, Wag the Dog, Soul Food, Bamboozled, The Producers, Adaptation, Get Shorty, Atlanta, and Get Out. Um, yeah, th there's a lot of really funny stuff in here. Um, I was also thinking a little bit um, with the reenactions of like what the, uh, you know, as he's typing out the story, I was thinking mm -hmm. a little bit of uh, my name is Dolomite when they're like creating yeah. the Dolomite uh, movie and just those big stereotypical characters, you know, right. uh, Keith I, David shows up. He's so funny. It's so good. Two yeah. minutes of Keith David is enough to see the movie. Like yeah. He's so good in this. Um, no, that, and that's great. And I, you know, it's funny. I was even thinking of things like don't be a menace. Uh, mm -hmm. when when they're going through that recreation where it's just so over the top overt 
just stereotype trope cliche like every terrible thing you've seen in any hood movie in any hood tv show is all packed into this small just kind of quick three three to four minute scene of him typing this out and it's it's just so funny it, that that scene is riotous to me absolutely uh, you, it, you definitely see that yeah and it's extra funny because just the look on monk's face is he, like he just can't believe he's writing that like he, <laughs> <Yes>. he's, <laughs> he's just He's so just like, oh God, what am I doing? You know? Yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah, really good. Right on. Any uh, any closing thoughts? Anything uh, we didn't quite get into? You wanted to mention? Um, no. I mean, you know, I had I had one little tiny one, but I felt like it was a stretch. I did kind of put in missed out fire, uh, <laughs> mainly just because of the comedy of errors. Uh, and again, sure. just taking that. You know, the the character that you create ends up being the thing that moves you forward and, and gets you, you know, kind of everything you wanted. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, I just think American fiction is just this lightning bolt of, of hilarity. Um, you know, you can, you can, you know, talk about its, its regressiveness, but overall, I mean, it's just the the performances are just absolutely incredible. The movie is so funny. Court Jefferson uh, just, you know, really taking all of those television skills and those writing skills that he has for things like blackish um and just really you know taking the reins and and just finding that perfect balance um because the movie does have drama it does have you know kind of some meaningful conversations that happen but um, yeah. him being able to just keep that that hilarity all throughout um is just so good i i really really loved american fiction and it was fun to kind of peel it apart and be like okay well what what are things that it reminds you of so Right on, right on. Well, thank you. I'm glad that we did this one. Uh, I think we got into a lot of good stuff here. But yeah, I think that does it for American Fiction. Is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? Um, yeah, I I have two that I would highly recommend. Uh, one would be May December, um, oh, yeah. which I just I just adored. I I've been sitting on my I, I've actually split it into two pieces because I have so much to say about it. Um, <laughs> but I, I it's taken me over a week to actually like get words onto paper because that movie is just so packed and so layered and just so I, I just love everything about that movie. It might be one of my favorites of the year. Um, just absolutely adored it. So I would highly recommend it. I know the subject matter turns you off a little bit. I get it, but just trust that Haynes and Birch's script. Do, do do right and do you know they're on the right side of of what's going on mm. um but yeah may december uh and then this one is a surprise for me because i don't like monster movies and i'm not a kaiju fan by any stretch but godzilla minus one uh mm. where did that come from because that movie was freaking incredible i just i can't recommend that movie enough um they just extended its theatrical run they were gonna pull it they're going to give it a week right. and then they were going to pull it from the theaters, which just blows my mind because there is no better way to see this movie than on the biggest screen you could possibly find. Um, so go see Godzilla minus one, see it in a theater, give that movie all of its money so we can get a sequel because this, this is what Godzilla should be. Um, and anybody that I just, I feel bad. I feel like people who made Godzilla X Kong and, and released the trailer, they should be embarrassed <laughs> after minus one. Like they really should be because it looks trash after watching Godzilla <laughs> minus one. Well, um, but yeah, I do love some monster trash, so I can't wait for Godzilla X Kong, <laughs> but, but, um, I will say I saw, I saw Godzilla minus one in 4DX and what an experience Ooh, that was. What a roller coaster that must have been. <laughs> oh, it was wonderful. It was so great. And yeah, I totally agree. May, December, one of the best of the year for sure. So, uh, great, great picks there. Uh, Derek, tell people where they can find you and your writing. 
Yeah, you guys can find me in my writing on nerdbot.com, um, always releasing reviews. And then you can always find me on Twitter uh, at DRock Comedy. It's DROK Comedy. Uh, same thing on Letterboxd. Uh, so you can look me up. Uh, you can really just look me up by name, but I believe it's at DRock Comedy as well. Um, and I, I'll do all kinds of quick reviews on Letterboxd. So even if they don't get full pieces, uh, you'll, you'll be able to see them. I'm pushing. 339 2023 releases this year so far so Damn. uh ho hoping to hoping to get to maybe one new film a day for an entire year I, I might be able to do it there's like 90 movies coming out in the next three weeks so uh if i can get some of those i think i'll be okay we're insane you do realize that right the both oh i know yeah oh i know i know no 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 sane human being should watch that much cinema like I don't care how big of a cinephile you are. That is way too many movies in a single year. <laughs> awful, awful. But hey, we got to do it. We got to do it. Derek, thanks so much for uh, joining me on the show again. And hopefully we'll get you back again sometime. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, it's Ashley Ray, and I host the podcast TV I Say. Have you ever referred to television as your friend? Do you want 10 more seasons of In Just Like That? Did you rewatch every episode of King of Queens in 2020? Then this is the podcast for you. Join me and a new guest each week to discuss your favorite TV shows and my 90 Day Fiance hot takes and my Below Deck hot takes and basically all my TV hot takes. <laughs> listen to TV I Say wherever you listen to your podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about American fiction. Thank you so much to Derek Murray for joining me on that one, and thank you to you for listening. If you're enjoying Piecing It Together, of course, make sure you are subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really like the show, uh, maybe drop us a little five-star rating and review, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, Spotify, any of those places. It would be very much appreciated. I also told you about the Patreon at the top of the show. You can check that out, patreon.com slash Rosen. Check me out on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. When this episode comes out, I will be uh, right in the middle of the launch of a whole new initiative that I'm doing for 2024 called 24 for 2024, where I'm releasing 24 new singles, one on the first and third Friday of every month this year. It's going to be a lot of new music, and I'll be talking about it a lot throughout the year in these closing segments, playing some of those tracks. But right now, I actually wanted to dig back a little bit further to a rapper that I produced here in Las Vegas named Skydro a few years back. Um, this is a song from his album. I produced this whole album. Uh, the album's out there. It's called Success Stories. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Music, all those places. This is a song called Blockbuster that I know Skydro was trying to kind of lean in to the, uh, you know, the hip hop uh, stereotypes. And so I thought it would be a good one to close this episode out with. So shout out to Sky Joe. Check out his album, Success Stories. Hope you enjoy the track. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon. Blockbuster, 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 blockbuster. The next blockbuster will be the Paris going in first. Forget negotiating, your kids will be in a hearse. And then the next thing you know, you'll be singing this first. The 
next block buster be the parents going in first Standing behind the yellow tape, I just got my child text He said the psycho with the shotgun says it's hurt him inside I'm like, daddy, I can't die today, cause tomorrow's my big test And I swear all my life's going so you could buy me a vest But I know you could save me, cause you was raised in the west So I text him back, yes, my hollow points is God bless Just keep your head low, you'll take a fade to the jet Not to mention his face will make the chalkboard a mess The next block buster be the parents going in first Forget negotiating, your kids will be in a hearse And then the next thing you know, you'll be singing this verse The next blockbuster will be the parents going in first The next blockbuster will be the parents going in first Forget negotiating, your kids will be in a hearse And then the next thing you know, you'll be singing this verse The next blockbuster will be the parents going in first See these Kalama's style killers, really demons, they're not just hate Parents holding dead babies, say no, they're not just fate And they refuse to be counseled, knowing it's not just fate this is not my child's destiny I can't just sit and wait While my child is spitting up blood And his last breath he can't take I try to send my kids to school Not into hell's gate But I can scope that crazy bastard Right from behind this crate And it's one shot and one kill So let me concentrate The next blockbuster will be the parents going in first Forget negotiating Your kids will be in a hearse And then the next thing you know You'll be singing this verse The next blockbuster will be the parents going in first The next blockbuster will be the parents going in first Forget negotiating Your kids will be in a hearse and then the next thing you know, you'll be singing this verse. The next blockbuster will be the parents going in first. You see, the moral of the story is, mess with my kids, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Forget SWAT, nigga. I think a lot of parents out there feel how I feel right now. <laughs> it's blockbuster, motherfucker. <laughs> I'm just kidding, officer. We'll just wait. We'll just wait. An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.